the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello, and welcome to In the Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. We hope that God speaks to you today as we continue our study, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, with Senior Pastor Will Ramirez in the book of Luke. Luke is written so that we might know we have a reliable faith. The events written about in the book were eyewitness accounts that Luke researched and wrote down for all to see. We have seen Jesus perform all kinds of miracles, healing the sick, cleansing lepers, causing the blind to see, and the lame to walk. Jesus went out teaching the kingdom of God, calling all men to repent. The scribes and Pharisees hated him and wanted him dead. After Jesus raises that young man from the dead in Nain, news spreads everywhere. Luke 7, verse 17, it says, and this rumor of him, this news of what he had done, that he was a great prophet risen up, that God had visited his people, this news that the Messiah had come, that God has heard our prayers, it's spreading everywhere. It says all throughout the region round about. And that's where we left off last week. This should be exciting for John the Baptist, right? I mean, John the Baptist has been preaching. Here's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Here's the guy you need to be following. And now people are finally saying it. They're getting on board. So he should be happy, right? Well, John's perspective is a little bit different right now. John is in jail, arrested by Herod for critiquing his unbiblical marriage, uh, something that may face Christians, you know, in the near future. And, and he's thinking to himself, well, it's great that you raised that boy from the dead, cousin, but how about a little love? <laughs> I'm stuck in jail still. If you're the Messiah, you can get me out of this mess. You can command diseases to go away. You can bring life where there is no life. You can get me out of this mess. So why haven't you? And because of that, John begins to doubt. Now, have you ever been there? You've lived for the Lord. You've even told others about the Lord. But now you're struggling with your faith because you're in a trial. You've told others Jesus was the answer, but he hasn't come through for you yet. Well, this morning, may Jesus' words to John the Baptist comfort and strengthen each of us in our faith so that we'll cling even tighter to the Lord during our trials. So chapter 7, begin in verse 18. And the disciples of John showed him of all these things. They're telling him all the news of what people are saying. And John, calling unto him two of his disciples, he sent them unto Jesus, saying, Are you he that should come, or do we look for another? Now again, it doesn't tell us he's in jail here, but Matthew eleven two, which is Matthew's account of this story, he tells us at the start that John is in jail. So these disciples are actually visiting John in prison to tell him about this news. And so when John hears all this awesome news, he sends two disciples with a specific question for Jesus. Are you he that should come? Are you the coming one? Are you the Messiah? Or do we look for another? Now, there are two words for another in the Greek. One means another of the same kind. This word is the other one. It means another of a different kind. Even though John the Baptist 
He knew the religious leaders didn't have it right. Jesus' style had surprised him a bit, though. He still had in his mindset that, you know, Jesus would bring a revolution. Jesus had taught things that were revolutionary, but he was kind of anticipating that Jesus would do some revolutionary things, too. That he would kind of rise to the occasion. And so now he's thinking, maybe I got it wrong. Maybe Jesus is just another prophet like me. Maybe he's not the Messiah. So he asked, should we be looking for somebody different, somebody maybe more destroy evil like? <laughs> somebody who can get me out of my mess? And so when the men, verse 20, were come unto him, to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist has sent us unto you, saying, are you the coming one, or look we for another? Now the phrase there, has sent, it's the same word for an apostle. So it means we've been sent on a very important and very specific mission. Are you the coming one? Are you the Messiah? Or should we look for somebody who's a lot different than you are, than you've been? So it says, and in that same hour, now that doesn't mean that at that moment. It means the same day in the same place they came to talk to Jesus, this is what was going on all day. In that same time, he was curing many of their infirmities and their plagues and of evil spirits. And unto many that were blind, he had given sight. He had graciously given sight Jesus had been healing people from their sickness and pain. He'd set people free from demonic power, and he had graciously given sight to those who were blind. And here they come with their super important question. Did they really still need to ask it after seeing all that? I mean, is that something that you can just go and say, oh, I'm going to go to the mall and see some healings today. I'm going to go down to, the, down to the local Walmart and just see some demons cast out. Most of us are not going to have that experience because these are not things that just happen all the time. Jesus is unique. This is messianic stuff going on here. And so that should have been their answer, seeing it with their own eyes. In asking their question, after having seen all that, still asking it, Jesus finally answers and he says to them, go your way and tell John what things you have seen and heard, how that the blind see, the lame walk, the leopards are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the, to the poor, to the humble, the gospel is preached. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Now, in Jesus' response, we see Jesus' three-step solution to doubt. Three things he tells them to do here. Number one, he says, go your way. Go back to what you were doing, guys. Coming here and having questions with me is not, is not going to accomplish anything. You know, it's like the Lord is saying, I could hash all of John's hangups out with you right now. We could hash all that out. Like, why is he asking this? What's his problem? What's his concern? We could do all that. But staying here in that place accomplishes nothing. If you're doubting God this morning, the first step in dealing with it is to keep going on with the Lord. You have to keep going on with the Lord. If you're questioning Scripture or questioning the Lord, it's good to study the Scriptures. I, I'm, I guarantee you, you'll come up with answers. It's good to pour out your doubts to God when you're struggling. It's good to go, Lord, where are you? David did that. We have Scripture where that happened. But at some point, you must take the next step because there's no standing still for the Christian. You're either moving forward or you're backsliding. There is no standing still for the Christian because if you begin standing still, you start sliding back. That's how it works. You know, if I begin to stand still and I don't go on with the Lord, I'm not trusting him, then I start sliding backwards. So Jesus, the first thing he says is get back to what you're doing. What you're doing is good. You're telling people about me. You're preparing people's hearts for the Lord. You're you know, the kingdom is near. You're getting people ready for that. That's a good thing. Get back to doing that work. 
We can, we can hash this out for days. And I'm so glad the Lord is gracious with me when I'm, uh, you know, the Lord's like, can you get back to work, please? And I'm like, but God, I'm glad he's gracious with me. It always comes down to, okay, Will, let's get back to work. The things you're doing are good. Let's get back to work. See, Jesus didn't want John to doubt, but the truth is no amount of miracles were gonna convince John to trust the Lord. That's why miracles are not the reason we trust God. His scripture is why we trust him. His, we trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not to our own understanding, but in all our ways we acknowledge him. And then he makes our path straight. Because miracles are not enough. The idea here is he, he says at some point, guys, you gotta get back to work here. At some point, you and I, we must take the next step by faith. So that's step one. You gotta go back to what you're doing. Number two, he says, Tell John what things you have seen and heard. Now, John is stuck in a place where he can't see any of the good things God's doing right now, all right? I mean, he's in jail. He's not hearing, he's not seeing what Jesus is doing. He's not, you know, he's not able to be present for all those awesome things. But he's telling these guys, these messengers, he goes, you did see it. So make sure you let him know what you saw. So what are they supposed to let him know? Well, he says that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, to the humble, the gospel is preached. All those verbs, preached, cleansed, here, raised, they're all in the present tense. What's the significance of that? Well, it's not just that Jesus is saying, go tell them the blind see now. What Jesus was telling these guys is, you see that guy over there? He was blind when he got here. You see that lady over there who's dancing with her family? She couldn't walk when she got here. You see that guy who's clapping and singing while they're dancing? He had no hope when he got here. But the gospel came, and now he does. He thought God was through with him, but now he's forgiven and free. What, what the Lord is saying to them is, don't just go back and tell John, yeah, Jesus is our guy. We saw a bunch of miracles. He says, John, I know he's having a hard time seeing what God's doing in his life while in jail. So go lift his spirits by telling him the awesome things that God is doing every day in other people's lives. Step two to overcoming doubt in your life is don't isolate yourself. Don't isolate yourself. Come to church more. Come hang out with other believers more. Hear about what God is doing instead of dwelling on what he's not doing. I so often, you know, I'll get in those doldrums where I'm just like, God, I don't even know where you are right now. And, and I'm, it's frustrating. And then but I go to church. And so he's like, let me tell you what the Lord did, Pastor Will. And, and they'll tell me this amazing story. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? God's obviously working all around me. The planet didn't explode. I mean, there's so many wonderful things that God's doing. And if I just will get out of my little bubble for a moment, I will see that. And I'll, I'll be so encouraged, even though right now I don't know what he's doing in my life. It's so crucial to overcome your doubts is to not isolate yourself, but to hang out with other believers more, to hear about what God is doing instead of dwelling on what he's not doing. So he says, inform John of what you've seen me doing. And then thirdly, Jesus says, and blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Now, that word blessed, we've learned it means, oh, how happy, you know? Oh, how happy. This is, you know, the, the key to a happy life. It, it also describes life as God has it, life as God intends it to be. He says the person who can experience all God has for them and live life no matter what as God intended to be is someone who is not offended in me. Now, what does that word offended mean? A lot of times it means to stumble, the, the idea you get tripped up. But here in particular, it means to cause someone to become offended, to experience anger or shock because of your actions. I had a situation with our 
our house that I had to call our, our home insurance on. And the lady was explaining to me, and going, the agent was explaining to me all the stuff going through it. And she, you know, I had tons of questions because I'm, I just don't understand things sometimes. Like, why do they have to do this? Why do they have to do that? And, and she grew frustrated with me. And, and she said, Mr. Ramirez, she goes, this is going to be a dialogue here. You're going to listen to me. And then, and then you talk. And I was just, I was flabbergasted by her rudeness. I was offended, deeply offended. Now I eventually forgave her after I spoke with her manager. But that's kind of the idea here. He's sensing that John is offended by what Jesus has not done for him. And so he says to him, John, I'm not coming to get you. I'm not coming to get you. There won't be a revolution. There's no dramatic rescue coming. And I'm not going to apologize for that. See, you're where you are because you've been faithful. So John, finish the race well. That's the only way you're going to overcome these doubts that you're experiencing. And maybe today you're in a bad spot. Maybe you've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed for God to intervene, but nothing happens. You need to know that Jesus sees and that if he's not coming to rescue you from that pain right now, from that difficulty right now, then it's still your job to finish the race well. And that's the third step to overcoming doubt. You need to let go of your shock, your frustration, or even your anger at God because he's allowed this to happen. He's not going to apologize for it. So you need to get over your shock and your anger and your frustration with God. And you need to accept that this is part of your race. You know, it's interesting, Paul, when he's talking about at the end of his life, he's about to be beheaded and he tells Timothy, he goes, I'm ready to be offered. He goes, I have run the race that is set before me. That's interesting. The way that's worded in the original language, it means the race that was unique to my life. We all aren't on the same race. Some of us, God calls to be a sprint, like Stephen. Stephen's life was a sprint, right? I mean, his life was just boom, man. He went for it and he was gone. He was with the Lord. He'd finished his race. Others of us, we might be like John who lived a long life. We all have a different race though. And Paul said, I've finished my race faithfully. And that's what Jesus is telling John to do. John, you're not getting out of jail. You're gonna lose your life. So finish your race well. Accept that this is part of your race and determine to finish it well. Now, when you do that, you will find not joy from the Lord, but the joy of the Lord. It says this is the joy of the Lord. The Lord's joy is your strength. It's his joy at seeing you be faithful. It's not that all of a sudden God gives you joy and then, oh, I'm good to go. No, it's the fact that he is rejoicing in your faithfulness, that you are sticking to the plan, that you are yielded to him. That joy of the Lord, knowing that he's pleased with your life, that's what becomes the strength to continue to the finish line. That's what becomes the strength. I'm so encouraged here because there's something that we miss in our English language that is so important here. In the Greek language, they have those if-then statements. They don't show up. They don't translate well to English. So we don't usually see them. We don't say if-then. So when Jesus says, whosoever shall not be offended in me, the whosoever shall then is actually an if-then. Now, there's four types of if-thens in the, in the Greek. You have the if-then of reality. In other words, this is true and it's going to happen. So like, you know, for example, Satan, when he said, since you're the son of God, why don't you turn these stones to bread? There's no doubt whether Jesus is the son of God. It's a fact. So that's that first one. The second one is unreality. Since pigs fly, let's, let's go join them. You know, pigs don't fly. So the if-then is obviously one that has a negative answer. Then there's one of greater possibility and one of lesser possibility. That's the fourth one. The third one of greater possibility means, well, whosoever 
shall not be offended in me. You might be offended, you might not be, but I'm, I'm figuring on not be. I'm figuring you're going to do the right thing. That's the third case. The fourth clause would be, well, whosoever might or not, I'm kind of thinking you probably will be offended in me. I'm so thankful Jesus uses the third one here because it shows that even though John is doubting right now, that's reality, he believes John will trust the Lord. And how encouraging is that? See, Jesus, he could have browbeaten John for his doubt by picking the fourth one of lesser probable future, but he doesn't. I would think for me, you know, if if my right-hand guy, if, you know, all of a sudden some rough things happen and he's freaking out and everybody else is freaking out because of that, I would probably be a little upset and I'd be like, listen, man, you got to pull it together. You smite the shepherd, the sheep are going to scatter. You got to pull it together. I only have that conversation with Pastor Tom every once in a while. (laughs) That's how most of us tend to react when somebody in leadership or somebody who's your right-hand person is failing. You're like, come on, man, get it together. But that's not what Jesus does here. Jesus doesn't browbeat John. It's like he says, John, you'll be blessed if you trust me through this. And I know you, John. I believe you're going to trust me. I believe you're going to trust me. You need to know that that's how the Lord sees you as well. That's how he talks to you. He knows your struggles. He knows your hang-ups. But he also knows your genuine love for him. You remember that night when Peter blew it by going back to his old fishing life? Remember he was up in the upper room and Jesus said, listen, guys, wait here for the promise of the Father. I'm going before you into Galilee, but wait here till the Lord pours out his spirit and then we'll get to work. Peter's not a guy used to sitting around. And so finally, he looks around at all of the the other disciples and he goes, I'm going fishing. I'm going back to my old life. I can't do this. Our food's running out. We don't know where we're going to go. We don't know what we're going to do. I'm going back to work. And the other guys, seven of them, they said, you know what? We're going back to work with you. So he stumbles. Peter is a leader. And if you're a leader, you're a leader for good or bad. And so he's a, he's a bad leader now. And so he stumbles these other seven guys. And so now they're all up fishing. And of course, their very first night at the, on the job, all right, let's get back to work. Catch nothing all night. Jesus is there on the shore. They didn't know it's him. And he says, hey guys, caught anything? Nah, man, we've been fishing all night. Nothing's biting. He says, why don't you throw your net on the other side? And they do, and a huge catch. And John looks at Peter and he goes, it's the Lord. <laughs> And Peter, he was, he's, he's all into it again. He's got the jacket off. He's just there in his skivvies getting the work done. And, and so he puts his jacket on, dives in, swims to shore. He was, I need off this boat now. You know, that's not where I'm supposed to be. When they get to the shore, what does Jesus do? Peter, who had just blown it by denying the Lord, now he does this. But Jesus doesn't berate Peter. After he gives him that huge catch, then he feeds him dinner. He doesn't even use the fish he caught. He already had food waiting for him showing him, you don't need any of this. I can take care of you like that. And then when Jesus questioned him and said, Peter, do you agape me more than these? You love me more than your life? You unconditionally committed to me? That's what you told me. And then you denied me. But are are you? Peter at that point could only say, Lord, you know I'm your friend. You know I love you. I, I don't think I can say I'm unconditionally committed to you again. You know, I love that Jesus in that moment, he didn't say, well, that's not going to cut it. That's not good enough. I'm going to find me a new, new church leader. He didn't do that. It's interesting. Look at John chapter 21 with me. Look at what Jesus asks him. One of the most interesting conversations in scripture, one that only John records because there's only a few of them there to hear it. Jesus had said, you know, Peter, do you agape me? Are you unconditionally devoted to me? And Peter said, Lord, I phileo you. You're my friend. I have affection for you. I do love you. 
I'm not, I'm not, I can't go there anymore. I failed you. So the third time, Jesus said to him, verse 17 of John 21, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me, the King James says, but it's actually that word phileo. He goes, Peter, am I really your friend? And it says, Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, not do you agape me, but are you really my friend? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know everything. You know me inside and out. You know. You know I, I am your friend. You know I do love you. Jesus, he knew Peter had been too humble to ever claim he'd never fail him again. So Jesus gave Peter the opportunity to commit to something that he could commit to. Say, Lord, I'm your friend. And when Peter answered the Lord and said, Lord, you know, you, you know me inside and out. You knew me better than I knew me the first time when I said I'd never, never fail you. You know that's true. You know I'm your friend. And the Lord said to him, feed my sheep. The Lord is saying, I do know Peter, and that's fine. That's good enough for me. Now you go take care of my people. Much of our lives is learning that God knows us better than we know ourselves, right? And a lot of those lessons are humbling to us. They're intended to humble us. You know, like Peter, the Lord shows us how prideful we are, how selfish we are, how lazy we are, how, you know, foolish we are, all the things that we, we have to repent of and grow and learn to trust him. But, you know, some of those lessons are intended to show us the real work that he's done in our lives already, like with Peter here. Peter, I do know you love me, and that's fine. See, Jesus, he wanted John the Baptist to know the very same thing. He wanted him to know, John, I know you're struggling, but the blessed life is in trusting me, and I believe you will. There's a chance you might not, but I know you. I know the work that God's done in your life. I believe you will. And that's what God wants us to know as well, that he's done a work in our hearts. He has changed us, and that he's for you. He's not against you. Now, while Jesus was gracious but firm with John, in this instance, his overall opinion of John was very high. But I'm sure some overheard the question of the messengers and then Jesus' response. And some might have even begun to critique John or doubt his ministry. So Jesus wants to ensure people remember John's full story, not just the John who was struggling in this moment. So verse 24 says, when the messengers of John were departed, he began to speak unto the people concerning John. What did he say? He says, what did you go out into the wilderness for to see? You know, the desert where John was preaching. What did you go out to see? A reed shaken with the wind? A reed there refers to the grass, the tall grass. You know, did you used to see grass that has no resistance to it and bends wherever the wind takes it? It's distressed and unsettled is what that word shaken means. It, it can't hold its ground. Is that what you saw? The answer obviously is no. But what went you out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment. And the word there, clothed, it means clothed by others. In other words, he's been honored. And the word soft means luxurious. He's been honored with luxurious clothing and gifts. And he's, you know, everybody, everybody looks at him and he's you know, highly esteemed by those with power and privilege. He goes, no. He goes, check this out. Those who are gorgeously apparelled and live delicately, live luxuriously, they're in king's courts. You ever seen John there? No, he's in the king's dungeon. <laughs> he's not there. See, John wasn't popular with the powerful or the privileged. He was in jail because he'd stood up to those people. See, the people in Herod's court, those folks who lived luxuriously, they were only there because they kissed Herod's ring. They were there because it was in their best interest not to say anything negative about Herod. So, no, John was not like grass in the wind. 
See, Jesus here, he reminds them of the man who preached mightily, even calling soldiers and religious leaders and political leaders to repentance. And yet, was John just a preacher? No, he was more than a preacher. Look at verse 26. But, in contrast to someone in Herod's court who kissed the king's ring, he says, what did you go out for to see? A prophet? Yes, John was a prophet. He was someone who spoke for God. But Jesus goes on to say that John was in a class of one when it came to what kind of prophet he was. He says, I say unto you, he was much more than a prophet, for this is he of whom it is written, and then he quotes Malachi chapter 3 verse 1, of whom it is written, behold, I send my messenger before your face, which shall prepare your way before you. For I say unto you, among those that are born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. Wow. I would think that's a pretty ringing endorsement, wouldn't you? John had claimed to be this messenger, as mentioned in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3, when the religious leaders came to him and said, by what authority do you do this stuff? Are you the Messiah? No. Are you that prophet? They thought this prophet was coming like Moses, not knowing that was also a reference to the Messiah. He says, no, I'm not that. Well, are you Elijah? No, I'm not Elijah. My name is John. Well, who are you? And he quoted Isaiah chapter uh, 40, verse 3. I'm the voice of him who cries in the wilderness. Make straight paths for the Lord. Get ready for the Lord. Repent, for the kingdom is near. The, Jesus confirms that who John claimed he was is who he was. He was chosen to be the forerunner of the Messiah. And for his faithfulness to that task, he says, don't think of the guy who's struggling right now. You need to know him as the greatest prophet to ever live. The greatest prophet to ever live. If you have any spiritual or physical needs, please contact us. We would love to pray for you and assist you in any way we can. You can reach us at Calvary Chapel Orlando at 407-523-0800 during our office hours Tuesday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. This has been In the Word with Pastor Will, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. You can listen to all of Pastor Will's sermons and find other valuable resources online at www.calvarychapelorlando.com or on the Calvary Chapel Orlando app, available on iTunes and Google Play. Thank you for joining us today. We will see you next time as we continue to learn, walk, and live in the Word. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.